Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. Yes, I am your host, Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I'm excited to share with you the information and our guest today. But as you know, I always start with a quote. So today's quote is by the Dalai Lama, and it's, happiness is the highest form of health. Now, our guest expert today is Dr. Elizabeth Yarnell who is a board-certified naturopath and expert in inflammation. She helps people with MS and other autoimmune or chronic inflammatory diseases implement customized natural therapies designed to slow or reverse symptoms and lead to a better, more functional, and pain-free future. I can't wait to hear about that. As a multi-passionate entrepreneur, and a multimedia educator since the 1990s. She also has an ed tech startup focused on teaching 21st century digital storytelling skills to elementary and middle schoolers. I'm going to ask about that one as well. So let's bring Dr. Elizabeth Yarnell. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Heather. How are you doing today? It's a beautiful day. Oh, it sure is. I loved your opening quote too, because that is how true is that the Dalai Lama is so wise. So wise. I loved it. I saw it and I'm like, yes, I'm in. This is the one for today. The quotes usually call out to me. I don't have to look very far to find them. <laughs> so you know, I love, go ahead. It, goes, it just goes back to that old quote, right? Like if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So it's absolutely true. And um, we can talk about this a little later too, is that something I really focus on in my practice is how inflammation can affect your mental health. Oh, well, you know, we need all the help right now that we can get when it comes to enhanced positive mental health. So I'm looking forward to some potential specific tips that you can share with our listeners today. Absolutely. Fantastic. But let's go back a little bit. And and I know this is a, a fairly brief intro. So would you like to share with everyone a little bit about how you got to where you are today? So my journey started with really one of those classic moments where life just completely fell apart and it looked like I was staring up from the bottom of an abyss. Mm. Um, Let's see. It was two weeks before my 30th birthday and I went to sleep as usual and I awoke the next morning blind in my right eye. And I was diagnosed in short order with multiple sclerosis. And that's when I learned that 80% of MS patients experienced significant disability within 10 years of diagnosis. So here I was about to turn 30 and learning that by the time I turned 40, I would probably be in a wheelchair. So I wasn't sure what to do. I, you know, went home and, and pulled out my laptop and got on the computer and tried to learn everything I could about multiple sclerosis. I had never even heard of it before, really. And I learned that it's a degenerative autoimmune disease, and it's um, characterized by chronic inflammation that damages the nervous system, and really, there's not a good prognosis for anybody with MS, and that was hugely depressing for me. Of course. And all of my MS doctors basically told me, you know, there's really nothing that you can do except for you can try one of these disease-modifying drug therapies, which are all, at that point, were all injectable and all had pretty significant side effects. 
and not a lot of efficacy. So you can take these drugs, but you know, it's probably not even going to really change the course of your disease. You might slow it down a little bit, but you're still going to end up at the very bottom, really completely disabled, just like everybody else with MS is what they told me. And that didn't sit very well with me. I am not the kind of person who wants to sit back and wait for my body to fall apart around me and live my life from a couch. And I refused to accept that. And it was actually my fiance at the time who first suggested to me that maybe my diet might have something to do with how I was feeling. Mm. And I had to admit, he probably had a point because at that moment, I had spent the last 10 years living on my own. And the only staple foods I kept in my apartment were Crystal Light, Diet Coke, and gummy bears. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yep. So... That I realized I didn't really even know what a healthy diet was. And there was so much, just as there is now, so much fad diet information that floats around. I had no idea really where to go next. So I started studying from what I consider to be reputable authorities like the Mayo Clinic and the ADA. And I really came to the conclusion that whole foods were better than processed foods. Mm-hmm. And this was pretty radical back in 1999. Um, maybe seems a little bit more um intuitive now but nobody was talking about this and especially no doctors were talking about the fact that our processed foods contain so many additives and preservatives and contaminants really that can affect people and how they feel and how their bodies function so what did you do well first i i need to go back for a moment because when you said 30 you woke up at 30 realizing what you know with your blindness in the eye and checking it out and finding all this information out I'm not familiar enough with this disease to know if that's a common age is that when it starts for most people it is a fairly common time for it to start really in your Mm -hmm. 20s or 30s not that it can't start we've seen a lot more kids actually come through now who are being diagnosed with MS in their teens or even Mm -hmm. sometimes younger um and then certainly people who are older than than 40 can can also be diagnosed with MS. And oftentimes people suffer from symptoms for years and years, even decades, without being properly diagnosed. So oh, that can wow. be a problem too. Yeah. So so once you found out that maybe this diet of gummy bears was not the best option for you, what did you do about it? Did you did you just kind of test it out yourself or did you do some research? What was the next step for you? Well, first I had to learn how to cook because I didn't know how to prepare any whole foods. Mm. So I started taking cooking classes and watching the Food Network, which was in its infancy at the time, and practicing at home. And the more I was learning, the more I was really excited about cooking and eating delicious foods. But realizing that cooking from whole foods, cooking from scratch really takes a long time and uses up so many utensils and pots and pans in your kitchen that the cleanup after a a from scratch meal can be almost an hour in and of itself. Fatigue is a hallmark of MS. And that really was tough for me to say, I want to follow this whole foods based diet, but it's really exhausting. So I was looking for a way to make it easier for me to cook healthier, whole foods-based meals more regularly without exhausting myself. 
And one night, my husband and I were watching a late night infomercial, and this guy says, look, I can make your whole meal in this one countertop appliance. And he pours dry rice and a can of tomatoes, and then he puts a metal grate, like a barbecue grill-type grate over it, and puts chicken breasts on top of the grate, and then puts another grate down and put brownies on top of that grate, (laughs) covers the whole thing with a dome, plugs it in, and turns it on. Very I dream of genius. (laughs) But I was like, that's brilliant. I want to make my whole meal in one uh, one utensil also. But I didn't have that countertop appliance. And I didn't have any metal grates. And I really didn't care about the brownies. And we had just received a cast iron Dutch oven as a wedding gift. And I went over to my oven and I thought, you know, I bet that countertop appliance gets pretty hot. So I turn my oven up to 450 degrees just shows what a novice cook I was if you know anything about cooking you the only things you cook at 450 degrees are like pizza crust and maybe some breads but I didn't know and I just went to my freezer and I had some frozen fish fillets and I had some fresh vegetables and some herbs from my garden and I threw them all into my cast iron Dutch oven and and close the lid and put it in this super, super hot oven. And in about half an hour, it just started to smell like dinner. And that just became the default way that we cooked early in my marriage. And I didn't really even think that much of it until my college roommate came to visit. And at the end of her week, she asked me to teach her how to cook like I cooked. And I said, well, you've pretty much seen me do it. I just throw everything into the Dutch oven and then put it in the oven. And she said, I think there's a little bit more to it than that. And so I sat down and I wrote out a cookbook. And I spent the next five years trying to find an agent and a publisher for my cookbook. And nobody would publish it. They all came back with the same letter that said, this is a great manuscript, but nobody's going to buy a cookbook from a nobody. You're not Rachel Ray. You don't have a cooking show. You're not Martha Stewart. You don't have like an empire. You're not Wolfgang Puck. You don't have a restaurant. Nobody knows who you are. And I felt like I was in this terrible catch-22. Like, well, how is anybody going to know who I am if I don't have a cookbook? (laughs) So I was doing um, um, food fairs or health fairs, doing cooking demonstrations. Um, I was teaching cooking classes at a local cooking school. I was doing everything I possibly could to figure out how to make a name for myself, how to build that platform. I already had a mailing list on my website of like 2,000 people who were all eagerly awaiting the book, but I couldn't get anyone to take me on. And so in 2005, I just decided either I have to do it myself or give up the whole dream. And so I decided to self-publish, and it turned out to be the best decision I could have made because I sold out my entire first print run of 2,000 books in the first month of publication. I won a bunch of awards. I was on the local bestsellers list for like three or four months. I got a lot of attention. So that turned out to be a really good turning point for me. Oh, that's fantastic. So they realized that there is a market for this, that people do want this information. They want to be able to cook healthier, but they also want to do it easy. It's true. It's true. And after I had gotten to about 15,000 copies in sales, I sold it to Random House and they republished it in 2009. And now we're up to more than 60,000 copies sold. Oh, congratulations. That's fantastic. And, And now in starting to eat this, you know, whole food 
uh, philosophy, you know, that you've made it nice and easy. Did it help you personally, health-wise? It did. In fact, my last MS exacerbation was in 2002. So I toured around the country and really was pushing the idea that whole foods are better than processed foods. And I still really believe that. That's one of my mantras. Mm -hmm. But in 2008, I realized that there might be a little bit more to it than that because my son, my oldest child, was very sickly really since the moment he was born. And he was at this moment, um, at that point, he was six years old and he had fallen off the height and weight charts and he had terrible, terrible constipation and, and stomach acid issues. He hadn't slept through the night yet at six years old. He still wet the bed. There were all kinds of issues. And we took him to pediatric GI clinics. We had his DNA mapped. We had abdominal x-rays done. Nobody could figure out any solutions for what was going on with him. And finally, I took him to a naturopath. And she said, you know, I really think this sounds like inflammation from food sensitivities. And I said, but he doesn't have anaphylaxis or hives. And she said, well, that's allergies. She said that we're talking about hypersensitivities that cause inflammation. And that's when I learned about the mediator release test and tested my son and was just really blown away when the results came back that one third of the items that he tested for came out reactive for him. So everything we were feeding him the foods we thought were healthiest, broccoli, garlic, lemons, were causing the inflammation in his body and especially in for him and his colon to mm. keep him constipated. But once we changed his diet, the change was just so breathtaking. Within two months, he had gained 15 pounds and grown two and a half inches. He started sleeping through the night. He stopped wetting the bed. His entire mood shifted. He had always been kind of a moody, dark child, as you can imagine, because he was in pain all the time. Of course. But I remember one day I walked by his room and I heard him singing to himself. And I realized I started crying because he had never been happy enough to sing to himself before. Now you're going to make me cry because I'm a big sad. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to our opening quote for this this session. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. It totally applies. So then you started to look at everything more holistically. So, right, because there's so many different aspects of it. Is that when yeah. you went back to get your, like, your certification? Well, I had been studying all the way through because when I started learning uh, for myself what a healthy diet was, I just was so fascinated and so interested. I just kept taking course after course after course. And by 2011, I had finished my naturopath, my doctorate as a natural naturopath. So I decided that what I really wanted to do was to bring this food sensitivity testing, which was so revolutionary and changed my family so dramatically to people I could help as a naturopath. And so that is what my clinic is focused around. Oh, that's amazing. Now, where are you based, Elizabeth? So I'm in Denver, but my clinic is open to anyone in North America. I just need you to be able to overnight your blood and urine samples mm -hmm. into um, different states in the U.S. on FedEx. So as long as you can do that, you can work with me. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Now, are there things that you can recommend for people who want right now, like they they just want to improve their health, they want to feel better, they want to feel a little less pain? Now, I know you can't, you can't make an assessment of what's wrong with a specific person, but are there any 
general things that you can think of, you know what, you might want to start with this. Absolutely. In fact, I gave a whole TED Talk on this in 2014, and I called it Poisons in Our Everyday Foods. And it's really just becoming aware of what's in our food supply and how that can make your body feel. It's incredibly difficult to isolate out one little thing by yourself, just because if you can think about all the ingredients and all the labels in just a single day of all the foods that you're eating, it's really, really hard to to um, untangle all of that information. That's why we have this specially designed therapy that is coupled with scientific testing to really guide the way to do this. But in general, the big things I would start with is stop eating foods that have um, chemicals in them that you can't pronounce. Mm. So go when you go to the store, look at the labels. And in fact, if you can buy foods without labels, those yeah, are that's even food. better. Yes, that's even better. And you can grab my cookbook and you can learn yourself how to cook really quick and easy meals using whole foods that can delight your family without all those chemicals and preservatives. Oh, that's fantastic. That is a great start. And then if they want to go from there... That's if they would better, like to right? go from there, yeah. In fact, um, I have a, a free gift I'd love to offer. I don't know if I can say it yet, but it has uh, to be. <laughs> well, it's you a, know what? I'll let you say it now, even though we typically save that for the ends. Okay. But it, it applies right now. So it go applies ahead. right now. It's coming up organically. Uh-huh. It's a way, it's a seven-day kickstart course to reclaim your health. And each day for seven days, I focus on a different place that you can start to change your purchasing habits so that you can start to remove all of those crazy chemicals from your life and your body. Oh, that's fantastic. And so we have a link or you'll send us a link that you can we can share on the show notes, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm really excited about that. But I, I don't want I, I want don't want to um not ask about this really cool and it sounds as if it's totally different than what we've been talking about. What is this ed tech startup? It is totally different. So <laughs> in my You were kidding my, when we said you're a serial entrepreneur, right? You're not like a, not a serial entrepreneur, because that would imply that I start one and then finish it and then go on to uh, another okay, business. Okay. Okay. What would I'm you call a it? Multi passionate entrepreneur, which oh, I means like I have much better. several businesses going at once because uh-huh. I have so many different passions in my life. I started in the film and video industry in 1988. Ooh, I'm dating myself okay, when yeah. I was still in college. And I worked in film and video industry and in the instructional design industry as a multimedia instructional designer for the better part of 20 years. And when my son, the same kid, was in second grade, his school received a grant to integrate science, technology, and art into the curriculum. And I was tasked to lead the the committee that that allocated the funds. And my co-chair is a film professor. And so the two of us created these amazing movie-making programs and took every child in kindergarten through fifth grade in that particular elementary school through a movie-making program every single year for about six years. And then we decided that it shouldn't be limited to kids who were lucky enough to go to that one particular school. And we turned it into a business and it's called Digistars Make a Movie Workshop. And now actually last summer, I put all of our programming up into our online e-learning portal, which is great because it's phenomenal right now. Were you thinking or what? (laughs) I must have been prescient. I I take it for that. Um, 
So we're hosting actually this really fantastic kids quarantine film fest this summer for stop motion animation. And we're teaming up with it, the Supernova Supernova Animation Festival in downtown Denver in September. And if we're allowed to congregate, we will have our kids stop motion animation movies up on huge wall mounted screens all throughout downtown Denver in September. So but anybody can apply and submit and we're offering virtual summer camps to support this and all sorts of programs for kids ages seven to 17 to really make the most of their summer at home. I absolutely love this. So we're going to make sure to add a link for that, too, because, you know, my my kids would have loved something like this. They're heading into senior year, so they've got some other things they're working on right now, like how to get into college. But this would have been so up their alley. Um, well, you know, you could actually or they could actually make a stop motion animation that they use as part of their college application. <gasps> That's such a cool idea. I love that. About a differentiator, right? Oh my gosh, really, really cool. So we'll definitely add that for those of you out there who are getting as excited as I am about this. We'll definitely add those links as well to the show notes. Um, So what do you think, like how does this fill a need for education right now for kids? Well, you know, even before we were all locked down inside our houses and the schools shut down, we still were not using and introducing technology and using it to its full capacity or potential in our school system with our youngest kids. It's really, my focus is on elementary and middle school. And these are the kids where they're not getting those computer skills. They might be getting kind of keyboarding skills and maybe some basic coding skills through drag and drop coding, but they're not understanding how the how they can harness the technology and use it to share their voice and spread their message. And and that in particular speaks to me because I'm all about helping people find their voice. Now, I work with a lot of people who are quite a bit older than your middle schoolers, um, but it's because they weren't maybe exposed to the power of finding your voice and the, the, the value that everyone has with that. And so what an interesting way to tell your story. That is, that is really, really cool. And we are all about the story. This is not just like pushing record on your phone and saying, Oh, I made a video. That is nothing. This is all about the story. So is there a specific question or maybe a couple of questions that you might want to give us a sneak peek into that helps you elicit that from people? You mean when we're helping our when kids? When you're trying to get, find their story. Yeah, when you're helping them. Well, it's so funny you should ask that because I just posted a download up on our kidsquarantinefilmfest.com site that you can download for free that gives 15 blockbuster ideas for kids to animate this summer. Oh, fun. Okay. That's cool. And it, and it, and it helps them with that type of thing, like what they should be thinking about and how they can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But gives them some story prompts that they can start with. And then, you know, we offer, if you go through any of our online programs, it will take you through all of the steps needed for the production process. So it will take you through developing your story, determining your character's plot, setting conflict and resolution. It will help you understand that every story needs a beginning and a middle and an end and it just can't just drop off there 
but all the way through the post-production phase where we put in things like titles and credits. And in fact, for the submissions for our film festival, if it doesn't have titles and credits and sound and all of these elements that make a complete movie, it's not, it's not admissible. Wow. You know, I, I know that this is for more than this, but it strikes me that now that you have this all online, what an amazing tool this is for homeschoolers. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, since we're talking about stories and I'm all about the story, I'm going to ask you to maybe dive a little bit deeper into your story. If you, you know, since this is the the name of the show is From Fear to Fire, and I Mm -hmm. I typically kind of dive into something that um, was a fearful or challenging time for our guests and what they learned from it. Is there anything that you can think of that applies in that world for you? Well, certainly when I was diagnosed with MS, that was the most mm-hmm. f- fearful, unknown, full of uncertainty time, which of course is what creates fear, right? When you don't know, it's that it's yes. that fear of the unknown that creates fear. So that, for me, that's my number one story. But I've gone through a lot of other times in my entrepreneurial journey. I had to declare bankruptcy in 2010 at the end of that recession. So there have definitely been a lot of ups and downs along the way. And the thing that has kept me through what my mother will say is my most defining quality is tenacity and persistence. Mm. Yeah, you know, I can I could hear that in your story as you were talking about what you did. You're like, I'm not going to just accept that. right? (laughs) You know, I'm going to find another way to do this. I can hear that. Yeah. Five years of trying to get my book published and I could have just shelved it at that point. Right. So that's good. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people too, who, you know, no matter how many times I fall down, I'm just going to get up again. Right. And, (laughs) and that is, um, that is, I'm finding not as common anymore as perhaps what I think it, it, it used to be. And and how I know this is that um, I actually work with students on programs to help them with perseverance. And so it's unfortunate that I don't think that there's, that that's as innate or maybe taught um, as it used to be. Um, and I'm not sure why. You're right. So my sister and I talk a lot about this and about how, um, certain generations seem to not have as much grit. Mm, Grit is a good way to put it. Yes. Right. So I feel like it's coming back. Like I definitely see it. I have a lot of college age interns right now. So I think that's Gen Y and I feel Mm -hmm. like Gen Y has it, but the millennials maybe less so. And I hate like generalizing. I know. know. (laughs) You know, we are, we understand out there, all of you listeners out there that you're each individuals and it does, you don't follow (laughs) to a group, but I'm going to have to tell you, Elizabeth, I I, am in agreement. I think that that's just, there's an ebb and flow to the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what we, what we need and what we experience and how it shapes us and um, how our younger ones are being shaped now is different than what it was like 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this has been highly enjoyable. And of course, it it flew by. Um, what's your I know that we talked about all the different things that I'm going to put in the show notes for people. But just if you can, if people are sitting down with their pen handy, what's the like website where people can reach you? So the best website to find out anything about me or to reach me at any time is always ElizabethYarnell.com. Mm-hmm. And okay. then um, for the film festival, it's kidsquarantinefilmfest.com. 
And then for the free um, or the complimentary Kickstart Your Health course, which is a $4.95 value, so I love giving this away for free. That website is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-Y kickstart. Awesome. I love it. Those are great resources. Thank you so much for your time here today. Now, do you have any anything else that you want to say? You know what? I'm really passionate. I want your listeners to hear this before I go. So one of my mottos is and has always been, uh, expect nothing but hope for the best. And that really is what keeps me going. Because if I were to enter into so many of these situations with dashed expectations, I might just have given up because it didn't meet what I was hoping for. But being able to just move ahead step by step, putting one foot in front of the other without really any clear ideas of what would come out of it has allowed me to persevere and bring my, really my dreams into reality. I think that's really important right now because we were talking earlier about, you know, what we all know to be true about the uncertainty right now. So during uncertain times, that that philosophy of, you know, one step at a time, I'm just going to keep moving forward and, and it will become clearer as I do this. But you have to keep taking the action. Right. I love, I, I always think about Dory in Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming. <laughs> swimming. Just I keep swimming. <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> That's perfect. It's one of my my favorite parts. I'm not so fond of it when my kids call me Dory, but you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, I am so thrilled that you were able to join us today. I'm sure our listeners are as well. Thank you so much. Oh, Heather, thank you so much. Such a pleasure to chat with you today. I appreciate it. And you listeners out there, if you enjoyed this show, feel free to leave us a review or share it with a friend. Have a great one and we'll see you next week.